those are my thoughts. <laughs> the present uh, picture is not as bright um, unto itself, so we're fortunate to have the good news, the good tidings, that there is actually a place somewhere over the rainbow where you can go and stay. So um, I just soon go ahead and take the questions. Okay. Um, so far, we have four questions, just to give you okay. some idea. Oh, and it looks like maybe there's another question in the chat in Spanish. So five. Um, so we'll start. Krishna Das. Dhanavats. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Good morning. Um, so I've been reading that book that you recommended to me, uh, Waves of Devotion, and it's been uh, very helpful um, for me understanding Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. But there's one uh, point that I was a bit confused about. Um, wonder if you could clarify. So in a section mentioning different items of sadhana bhakti, it's mentioned that performing all endeavors for Krishna, even for those entangled in worldly responsibilities, like offering the fruits of one's actions is you know, that, that's an item of sadhana bhakti, but a couple pages earlier, it's mentioned that pure devotional service must be free from work born of fruitive desire. Therefore, our acharyas do not accept offering the fruits of our prescribed duties as a bona fide item of sadhana bhakti. So I was a little confused about that. It seemed a little contradictory at first. So I was wondering if you could clarify. I've never read that book, although I recommended it because I know uh, what it seeks to do, and I think it's probably fairly helpful in that regard. It sounds to me like what you read is a contradiction. Um, so uh, the editor didn't uh, apparently bring that to the author's attention. That, that's what I can gather from what you said. But that said, um, there is some scope for looking at it um in both ways and um, by that i mean that when we do nishkam karma which means that we give up the fruits of our actions um, and perform our this is within the varnashram system prescribed uh duties according to guna and karma of which there are many in the Varnashram system for the different psychological types. Um, perform them because they, they should be performed because uh, they're uh, ordained um, in the gospel, if you will, um, without attachment to whether, whatever the result may be. That's called Nishkam Karma. That's taking the life, if you will, out of karmic involvement at the same time uh, while at the same time one is involved in karmic affairs because the life of it what generates it what drives it is the attachment to the fruits these uh, the downside so uh, as I say, that's the engine, that's the fuel, uh, if you will, that drives karmic implication. Uh, so if we take that out, then um, It might all be good to turn off our um, cameras since his connection is not very stable today. Um, turn off the videos. Can you hear me? We can now, but we missed about a minute. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Let me set this up properly. I think I have to. We had everyone turn off their cameras too. Can you hear me now? Yeah. 
yeah. What I was saying is that uh, I don't know. Uh, I was saying that the uh, the the fuel or the engine that drives karmic implication is attachment to the results that one gets from performing one's prescribed duties, which are desirable from a material point of view. Right? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Krishna uh, strongly recommends this, this interim uh, or in-between stage between karma and gyan. He's called it nishkam karma. It's karma with a with a um, with the teeth of it taken out, so to speak. Um, gyan on the one side is renunciation of action that is driven by ignorance, that being attachment. Um, and the pursuit of enduring happiness, which everyone pursues um, in relation to things that don't endure. So that's ignorance. So the opposite of karma is gyan in that sense. And this in-between stage, nishkam karma, Krishna strongly recommends in the Gita. Now, that said, there is another nuanced possibility here that within the context of nishkam karma, instead of mentally renouncing the fruits means you'll accept them, whatever they are, good or bad, and carry on and perform the karmic duties regardless, right? You're attached to performing the karmic uh, duties in the Varnashram system because they're ordained and the right thing to do, regardless of the results. Sometimes the results will be good. Sometimes it may not be. Um, so it's a, it's a change in mentality, but, but now some will take the fruits and offer them to Krishna or Vishnu. Now that is a arguably a, a, an anga of bhakti within what we call vaidhi bhakti. Within Varnashram, there's the worship of many gods and goddesses acknowledging, that's to say, our indebtedness to the macrocosmic uh, world that we are a microcosm of acknowledging that for example in order to see we need the sun therefore we revere the sun and speak we need the wind we revere the wind and so on and so forth um, within the worship and regard and gratitude shown for all of these macro features of of nature that our body and mind are a, are a microcosm of. Um, the showing of gratitude that that system constitutes includes within it in places the worship of Vishnu. So the worship of Vishnu is bhakti. Whether we realize that it's bhakti or not and, it, and that it's different from the worship of other gods and goddesses, um, it's still bhakti. So it's possible within the Varnashram system uh, that what to speak of doing that, worshiping incidentally Vishnu on certain occasions when it arises within the system to actually consciously give the fruits uh, beyond what one needs to maintain oneself, for, for example, the service of Vishnu. Um, that is, Jiva um, Goswami acknowledges that, yeah, you could say that's a form of bhakti. Um, we say in general that because Vishnu is within the pantheon of the gods and goddesses and he's worshipped within Varnashram, there's an element of bhakti there and that's what makes the whole thing work. Gyan mm -hmm. uh, cannot be efficacious in the full sense of its objective to bring liberation without some bhakti. Similarly, karma cannot be efficacious without some element of bhakti. Bhakti makes the whole thing run in a larger sense. So Jiva Goswami acknowledges that, um, that some say, and you know, it can be seen like this, that, there, that, there, that through Varnashram in which, or Nishkam karma, in which the fruits are offered of Vishnu, well, this is bhakti. You know? and, and that uh, uh, 
can gradually you know, bring us to the Bhakti Marg uh, proper. It's, uh, now that said, in a, in a broader sense, the Gaudiya emphasis is Rag Bhakti and in the Vrindavan uh, ideal. And that ideal cannot be attained without the mercy of great souls on the path. You can't get that from uh, offering the fruits of your uh, karmic activities to Vishnu. That's not possible. There's a differentiation there. So there's a way anyway, uh, in which we can say that uh, offering the fruits of one's work to Vishnu is an anga of bhakti. Hmm? Uh, it's a little bit remote. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I wanna say it's not an anga of, of, of cable bhakti or unalloyed bhakti or haitaki bhakti, different terms for Rupa Goswami's definition of bhakti. He used the term uttam, uttam bhakti. It's not uttam bhakti, it's uh, karma mixed with bhakti or Krishna says in the Gita, for example, another instance, regardless of karma, whatever you do, or whatever you eat, whatever you offer, give it away, do it as a, you know, a sacrifice unto, unto me. So that's a form of uh, bhakti mixed with karma also. In some senses, we do that even within Uttam Bhakti, because there are things that we do. Uh, for example, sleeping is not an Anga of Bhakti. But if we go to sleep only to, to rest the body for serving Krishna, dream about Krishna, well, then by assigning Bhakti to sleeping in that way, consciously, it becomes Bhakti. It becomes... Uh, so there's a way in which you can bring that in. And then there's a way in which we say, no, it's not. Uh, this is not uh, Uttam Bhakti. Um, um, uh, which differs from Bhakti mixed with karma in that in Bhakti mixed with karma, we give the fruits of what we're doing to Krishna in bhakti, uttam bhakti, we give ourselves to Krishna. So those are some thoughts on that. I mean, I haven't looked at the book as I say, but um, perhaps more clarity would, would have been appropriate there. Um, but um, so anyway, those are my thoughts on the subject. Does that help? Uh, yes, that, that helps a lot. Thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. Thank you for your question. Can I ask a follow-up question? Just um, yeah. a clarification with Vaidhi Bhakti and um, Ajata Ruchi Sadhana Bhakti. Is it improper to say that devotees who are on the uh, us that are trying to reach the wrong path that we that we're practicing Vaidhi Bhakti? It seems like a lot of times we read it, read Vaidhi Bhakti, use Prabhupada used that term a lot. Sometimes Vaidhi Bhakti is, the term is used um, in place of Jiva Goswami's term, Ajataruchi Raghunuga Bhakti. Mm -hmm. And that's in instances where, um, and Vaidhi Bhakti is also, in, the, in much as Vaidhi Bhakti constitutes hearing, chanting, remembering, and so forth, like for example, given by Prahlad, the to employ the, those angas of Vaidhi Bhakti is in Rag Bhakti is part of Rag Bhakti. So um, that's a sense in which Vaidhi Bhakti, we do Vaidhi Bhakti, but it's Rag Bhakti, um, if you will. Uh, but sometimes the Ajataruchi doing Rag Bhakti without a real taste, not without one's Bhakti being driven by the taste for that, but with the ideal of attaining the uh, Vrindavan Leela, a place in the Vrindavan Leela, that can't be Vaidhi Bhakti unto itself, whose goal and ideal is to attain uh, Mukti in, in, in Vaikuntha and worship Krishna or Vishnu Narayan uh, with, uh, with reverence. So there's obviously a difference if one's orientation and one's ideal is to attain uh, the Vrindavan Leela, to enter the Vrindavan Leela. 
and doing Vaidhi Bhakti. That is Ajataruchi, Raghunuga Bhakti, or it could be sometimes just called Vaidhi Bhakti. There has to be some clarification, perhaps, in instances as in which, you're, which, for example, you're asking about, but that's the idea. Does that help? Yes. Yes, that helps. Okay. Um, Sadvi? Yes. Dandavats Guru Maharaj. I have a question about um, developing um, this feeling uh, I was listening about uh, Puri Maharaj enjoying very much when somebody is having <clears throat> this lamentation mood and also from like different Vaishnavas we hear about this uh, lamentation in the sense of not having bhakti, not having enough taste, etc. So how what is the way I was wondering to develop this mood of lamentation? What is conducive, you know, I don't know, practice, what we have to meditate on to, to reach there? I was just wondering about this. Well, um, I think that um, the lamentation that we find in the prayers, for example, of some great devotees is really, a is really a result of bhakti in which as one advances, one tends to magnify one's um, lack of qualification or lack of affinity and taste. Because the more we come in touch with Krishna and how wonderful he is, the more we, in one sense, may feel um, unqualified, um, grateful, uh, obviously, humbled by his grace, but, um, but you know, what are we in comparison to, 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 to Krishna? So that comes to bear. And so I think there's a natural kind of lamentation that sometimes we hear on the part of great devotees that seems inappropriate because they're very advanced, right? So, um, um, I don't, you know, and, and let's contrast that for, for, as we talk about it with, with some type of neurosis or something where someone's lamenting, you know, that, and, and, and the result of the lamentation is that they, they don't get, they're not involved. They've uh, disqualified themselves, so to speak, so they don't practice and so forth. That's more of a psychological you know, problem not understanding um, the practice, not understanding who Krishna is, the, the, the grace of Krishna, the, the mercy of Mahaprabhu, and so on and so forth. Uh, how the name is even more merciful than the form, because if, if we offend the form, the name stays with us, and so on. So um, um, I don't know really, um, I mean, there's a health, when I say there's a healthy form of lamentation for, for a sadhaka, there's a natural lamentation on the part of great devotees, uh, advanced devotees, even siddhas that we find, um, which as I've explained, it, 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 you know, it comes about as a product of their advancement, just the way they think about it. They might magnify some fault. I've, I've given the example before of Madhavendra Puri, who uh, heard that the sweet rice at uh, uh, Gopinath's temple in uh, Ramuna was very famous. And then he thought, if I could taste that, I could figure out how it was cooked and then I could cook that for my deity. And then after thinking that, he thought, oh, just see, I, I, I just wanted to taste the sweet rice. Hmm. And uh, you know, here I am, I, I've defiled the whole offering by being in the temple and thinking like that. Of course, that was, that's not what was really happening, but um, he magnified and his, his shortcomings and so forth. And of course, Gopinath stole the sweet rice and sent to Pujari to look for him in the marketplace and celebrate his um, devotion. So that's again, that kind of lamentation that there is results from um, advancement. And then there's the other end of the psychological dysfunction. So is there some in between? Is kind of what you're, you're asking in, in a sense. I think that, um, in between, if you will, is, is best uh, exemplified in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's second prayer of Shikshastakam, 
where there's a healthy understanding that the reason I don't have a taste is my anarthas. And I lament that I have them, but at the same time, I recognize how merciful Krishna Nam is. That despite that, he's staying with me. He has no rules, no regulations that he uh, prescribes that you, you can only do it at this time, you can't do it at that time. The name has many forms. His primary names are full of all of the Shaktis. They're uh, all powerful to, to deliver me. Um, but I, I, I have anarthas that are getting in the way and I lament that healthily without tipping the scale and remembering, you know, the first part of that verse, that the nature of the name, how mercifully is and so forth, that doesn't change just because I have an Arthas. So um, that I would look at that verse and I, I've written a commentary on it, but uh, I think that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu shows a, a healthy form of lamentation there in the stage of, um, of sadhana bhakti um, in the context of Bhajana Kriya, um, rather than the other two extremes that I mentioned. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Gayatri? Start the video. Will it work? Hi, Bogumash. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can. Good to see you. I can see you too. Good to see you. <laughs> um, so my question is, um, how how do I detach from my emotional attachments? Um, meaning, I seem stuck in certain mental patterns and attached to certain ideas of myself. And it's easier to some extent to refrain from desires that involves engaging the body but how do I detach from certain ideas that I have of myself and who I am that are not serving my bhakti? Well, I think that um, there's, there's not a particular, you know, silver bullet here to deal with that one, one issue, but bhakti is dealing in a comprehensive way with our um, predicament. And so bhakti overall is the solution to the problem. Uh, but um, we, emotionally have likes and, and dislikes that in many ways form our personality, right? I like this, I don't like that, I feel like this. Uh, the mind is this kalpa, sankalpa, vikalpa, you know, I, I accepting and, re and rejecting input that comes from the senses in relation to the, to the sense objects in the, the world. So based on that input, I, my mind is making determinations. This is good, this is bad. This is happy, this is sad. This is the mental, emotional uh, you know, seat and um, has much to do with our identity. I mean, we've identified with material nature, that's a hunkar, but then now these different likes and dislikes are arising in the mind and giving a psychological kind of ego to our metaphysical ego, which is the hunkar, the, the very misidentification with matter. Hmm. You know, that's something that can only be undone. That world not, to use Schopenhauer's term, hmm, is can only be un, untied by, by sadhana. Hmm. But now the mental emotional ego that you're more or less speaking about that arises out of, out of the uh, manas, the seat of, of the mind. Um, Obviously, there are, there, are, there are disciplines outside of bhakti to, to deal with your emotions, to rein them in and make them more sensible and reasonable and so forth. And uh, you're, you're, you're a um, thoughtful person, so I'm sure you're, you're psychologically savvy. But to go to the heart of the issue in that, as I've explained, the mind is the seat of desire and emotion, then we have to, as a sadhaka, try to embrace this very basic tenet 
of Sharanagati, which is that I shall make a commitment. This is this is the spirit. I shall make a commitment um, to uh, Anukul Patikul. Anukul and Patikul are two aspects of Sharanagati. It means accepting and rejecting, which is what the mind does, right? Accepts and rejects. I like this. I don't like that. So I will make a commitment, hmm, uh, a, 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 uh, yeah, a commitment, a promise, a, a vow, a, a commitment to accept a new standard hmm, of what is good and what is bad, what is favorable, what is unfavorable, then the one that arises in the seat of my emotional being and in, in manas in the subtle body. Mm. If it's favorable for bhakti, I accept it. If it's unfavorable for bhakti, I reject it. It's easier said than done, but that will very much gives you a new, new standard, right? And it, in what may be favorable for bhakti may be emotionally unfavorable, un uncomfortable, or and that will translate out into the physical as well. I mean, I want to get up early in the morning, but it may be favorable for bhakti. Um, and so we should really try as sadhakas to focus on this anukul pratikul and think it out. Is this favorable for bhakti? Why am I doing it then? And how long, how many times are you going to think like that and do this same thing? You know, after a while, you're going to make sense to yourself, if you will. Am I on this path or am I, you know, I want two feet on the path or I just want one foot. I want to make one step forward and one backward, one forward, one back. What am I doing with myself here? Is this favorable for bhakti? Is this unfavorable for bhakti? And now, of course, within that, we have to look at our adhikar, our eligibility too, because we can find, it's just to, so that you don't jump off a cliff here, we can find things that are favorable for bhakti, things that are unfavorable for bhakti, but I'm not eligible at this point to accept or reject certain things because of my, my eligibility, where I stand in the practice. I may need certain things. Um, we might say, for example, I mean, there's a lot of statements of attachment to, to family and uh, to, uh, you know, husband and wife, you know, are, you know, they should, everything has to be given, given up. Well, that obviously some people are householders, so they, that doesn't work. Uh, that's their adhikar. So there's a way to harmonize that, make that attachment, spiritualize it, if you will. So you have to be a little artful hmm, in acceptance and rejection, but this is the heart of, I think, where to go with, um, in, in terms of answering your question, try to look, you know, um, as emotional attachments arise through the lens of introspection in the context of bhakti, what is the value of that? Where is that taking me? It's not favorable for bhakti. Um, and, and of course, you have to supplement that then with activities that are favorable for bhakti so that you're getting a sufficient taste to have the strength to reject the thing. Hmm? And, and sufficient taste to enthusiasm to, 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 to accept. So I would uh, uh, try to focus there. Does that help? Yeah, thank you very much, Kumaraj. Okay, are you still in North Carolina? Uh, we're in Florida right now. You know, I've been trying to reach uh, Amal Sham, who you were staying with, mm -hmm. but uh, he doesn't seem to be getting my, my emails. If he could... Uh, mm -hmm. Have another way I, of contacting him, ask him to check his email. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have a question from the Brighton Sangha. Maybe you guys could put your camera on while you ask your question. Um, Amrita Gopal has a question. Hare Krishna Maharaj, wonderful to see you and the Assembly of Devotees. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can yes, hear you. I can, can see you. I can hear you. Yes, Hare Krishna. 
we hear the wonderful discussion of the quality of the Lord's impartiality in the sixth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And of course, Maharaj Parakit raises a doubt about the impartiality of the Lord. And this discussion serves as a segue into the pastimes of Prahlad Nishingadev. I would love to hear you elaborate on why that particular pastime answers Maharaj Pradikit's question about whether or not the Lord is actually impartial. Seventh canto. So, yeah, seventh canto, pardon. Yeah, I have to think about that and, and recall, but uh, as I recall uh, briefly, um, um, the subject arises in the context of Sishupal uh, and how Krishna dealt with Sishupal. Um, um, but I'm not remembering it. Uh, it is a significant point and interesting, um, but um, Yudhisthira Maharaj is speaking with whom I think Narda, hmm? and uh, they are in the assembly of the uh, uh, with. Uh, I can't recall exactly uh, how impartiality comes out of that. I'm sorry, I, I know it very well. And I, I've, I've lectured on it even for a moment. It's, it's, just, it's escaping my memory, the context. Um, but, um, um, and if anyone can chime in, that's fine. Help us with that. But, um, um, Of course, the impartiality of Bhagavan is 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 a, it's an important quality, um, even while he's partial um, uh, to his to his devotees. Um, and I, again, I'll, ha I'll have to look at that. I mean, that day, celebration day is coming next month. I'll have to look at the chapter. I think it's the must be right at the onset of the of of seventh canto. Um, but it should be clear from reading the text. I, for, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what uh, what transpires there. Can you refresh my memory a little bit? You were reading it? I've been hearing classes on that discussion oh, okay. itself. And I see. just leading into the pastimes of uh, Prahlad and Lord Nishingadev, but that- And what did you, what did you hear? Uh, that Maharaj Pradikit was interested in why it is, how the Lord's impartiality manifests. And Sukadev Goswami responds with, uh, with the pastime itself. And my oh. question related to the segue, how is it that this particular pastime exemplifies that quality of impartiality. And why did he raise the question about impartiality? That I, I don't know. I've been just listening to just the beginning conversation. I don't know what, what preceded it. Yeah, it's something to do with Tisha Paul. Um, I can't recall at the moment, um, but... Um, Someone in the um, chat about Pardon it. Pardon me? There's a comment in the chat. Okay, okay. Re read the comment. Mara Yudhisthira inquired, it is very wonderful that the demon Shishpal merged into the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even though extremely envious, the Sayuja Mukti is impossible to attain even for the great transcendentalist. How then did the enemy of the Lord attain it? Well, um, I guess you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a broad sense, he's saying that um, Krishna reciprocates according to how people approach him, which is which is impartial. Although the results may be different because people approach him in different ways, um, um, he's impartial. 
although he's partial to his devotees. I'll have to I'll have to look at it. I'm sorry, I I can't uh, uh, remember exactly how the story of of Pallad and and Ashinga, um enters into the picture um, as an answer to the Lord's impartiality. It's an important section, but I'll I'll look it up and bring it up next week. Next question. This is a question in the chat. Um, Shama Sundar, you want to translate? Well, I think that uh, you have to hear about the person of Krishna. That's why it's recommended that uh, the very powerful Anga of Bhakti is to um, hear Srimad Bhagavatam and Jiva Goswami underscores this, this means the 10th canto where Krishna's personality is described. His, you can find his qualities there, his, his nature and uh, descriptions of his form and so on and so forth. So you have to get to know Krishna the person. There's a lot of information about him and you'll be uh, stunned to think that such a person exists, that he's like this, he acts like this, these are his qualities. Um, and so to hear directly about Krishna rather than in an abstract uh, way about Krishna as the as God, uh, source of everything um, and so on and so forth. Those, the leelas where he's, it's, it's, it, it, you become acquainted with how he acts, what how he responds to certain circumstances and so forth, how he's viewed by his devotees, those things you have to hear about. And um, um, read, for example, the 64 or whatever it is, uh, there's a number of qualities, think of 64 qualities mentioned by Rupa Goswami and Bhaktarasamrita Sindhu that are part of the very makeup of the Vishai Alambana, the object of love that is Krishna. Um, and he gives, uh, for almost all of the qualities, examples of how he exhibits the qualities. And you, you put that together and you think there's a person like this <laughs> that has all these qualities and these are the examples and you follow up the examples, you read the example, look up the examples um, that he cites, for example, from the Bhagavatam and play out those, those different qualities. And then you get to know him personally, if you will rather than in, in more abstract sense as, as, as God. As I think I answered your question if I understood it correctly. Something else? Okay. Um, we have another question from the Brighton devotees, Apoorva. Okay. Hare Krishna Maharaj, I'm a Purvadasi, uh, my dearest Dandavat Pranams. Uh, I just wanted to know why when you go to bed in such an enthusiastic and um, bhakti-filled mood, why when you wake up, and I've tried waking up at different times, and when I wake up that mood is gone, What what's the why? <laughs> Well, nice to meet you, but uh, uh, that over time that won't happen. Hmm? <laughs> Give it some time. Give it some time, and it won't happen. It takes uh, drops of water wither away the stone, so it, it takes practice. So we're uh, awake and Krishna conscious and enthusiastic, and then we go to sleep, and um, we disconnect, so to speak, from that uh, that mood. It doesn't carry into our sleep eventually it will carry into your sleep um but it but it takes time but it's understandable that it in, in in the beginning that's not the case beginning means 10 15 
20 years of practice. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's understandable that there's a, there's a there's a disconnect there. People go to sleep. It's, it's Thomasic, uh, and um, and if we're not you know sufficiently absorbed mentally in thoughts of Krishna, they're not going to carry into our dreams either. So it could be a confusing affair, There's, you know, dreams at night and so forth and so on. You wake up, start all over again. It's understandable that it's not a bad thing. It's not a problem, but in time it will be, it'll be overcome. In time, you may not even sleep. So oh. that'll, solve, that'll certainly solve the problem. <laughs> or sleep, as I say, and, and dream about Krishna. Krishna's coward friends that they, they sleep well, but they dream constantly, and all their dreams throughout the night of cow herding all come true. Hmm. So dreaming is good; it's fifty percent of life. Hmm. And if fifty percent of the dreams come true, well, then you're doing good. So don't don't be uh, don't be um, discouraged by that. It takes a little time to overcome the uh, the slothfulness uh, that arises out of out of sleep and it attacks us in the, in the morning when we get up you know, to crank the motor again and start. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll pass, okay? I, I remember you telling us many, many years ago that you had a little note on your mirror that said that sleep is death. <laughs> yeah, when I, was, when I was young, yeah. <laughs> young devotee. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't sleep too much in those days. <laughs> that was good and bad. <laughs> Does anybody okay. else have a question? We, we've run out of the questions that I have. So we have a lot of people that have come on since. So Omkar, Omkar you have a question? Yeah, Pranams Kurmaraj. Good morning. morning. Um, it's been very nice since I've begun my Giriraj worship, but I'm kind of swamped with questions that I've addressed to Subal and Madan and people like that. And a lot of it is my personal stuff that I'm probably going to have to ask you in an email. But um, I guess I could ask more of a generic question if it even can be a generic question. Sort of like where do the Vaidhi part of the, the Archon and the sort of Morag part of the Archon, um, how do those, how are those to be seen as kind of, colliding and and uh, I mean when I'm doing my manas uh, worship and then going into sort of uh, more of the physical aspect of it um, I'm sometimes like uh, encountered with like they, they sort of merge together so is that kind of the goal of it that well uh, first of all you know in, in one sense and this was Address a little bit from Archon City's question. Vaidhi Bhakti is an Anga Vrag Bhakti because uh, there are three basic uh, uh, emphases of Rupa Goswami um, in terms of practice that constitutes Rag Bhakti. One is to hear about the pastimes of Krishna that corresponds with, one, with one's ideal. Hmm? The second one is to serve Krishna in one in one sadaka deya and in one siddhadeya. That has to develop at least out of the siddhadeya's engagement. Out of the sadaka deya's full absorption will come a siddhadeya and possibility for internal meditative service. That's and then the third one is to do vaidhi bhakti hmm, in support of one's I ideal. So archan is a form of Vaidhi Bhakti. So we do Archan, but we do Archan to Girirash, he's a Ragmark deity. In Vrindavan, in the Leela, we find that Govardhan Hill provides all of the ingredients that one would use in the worship of Vishnu or Krishna in Vaidhi Bhakti, flowers he provides, streams of water he provides for bathing, caves 
he provides as a place for resting. Mm -hmm. um, he hosts uh, uh, birds, provides for them, and they sing kirtan. So if we look at Govardhan, then we could, and Jiva Goswami has written about this in Gopal Champu. I believe Raghunathas Goswami also following him, uh, describing how Govardhan provides all 64 items of worship, which is a, uh, a very comprehensive you know, form of, of, of archan. So he's the biggest worshiper uh, of Krishna in Vrindavan and he's Krishna himself showing the way, so to speak. So, um, so our, our Archon is, 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 is also going on in Vrindavan in, 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 in the Leela, so to speak. Govardhan's performing it, you can, we can see there. So I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you're right. Govardhan's Ragmark deity, and you're worshiping him appropriately with different items and so forth that constitute Archon. But um, uh, there, there, there's not any kind of conflict in there between uh, Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti. That is Rag Bhakti. Archon it can be included in Rag Bhakti. I certainly, I often say that, you know, the main items of my I, I, main angas of Vaidhi Bhakti that are, that are the prominent ones in Rag Bhakti are Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smarnam, and half Archanam. I say half Archanam because we don't have Archan as a main focus. Like, for example, I've given um, in the past uh, the, 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 well, the example in Madhva Sampradaya, how they worship Udupi Krishna from you know, four in the morning till noon before the Archan is finished, bathing and different items and so on and so forth. It's a huge affair, right? So ours is simple <laughs> in comparison and uh, you can put him in your pocket, put him, wear him in a locket around your neck, Giriraj, and take him wherever and set him up and worship him and so forth. Um, so, um, there's, there's no like tension there between this part is Vaidhi Bhakti, this part is, part is Rag Bhakti. It's all Rag Bhakti because the, the, de the deity is Rag Bhakti and the ideal that uh, we pursue is, is such. And some measure of, of, of a system of Archon is, is um, in, in, in involved. Hmm? I mean, like I worship the Giriraj here. I have a little Giriraj that was given to me by a godbrother of mine who many, many, many years ago um, had brought two stones from Vrindavan, from Govardhan, and showed them to Prabhupada and said to Prabhupada that it's said in the Brahmanda Purana that the stones of Govardhan are worshipable. Now, that shows how little we knew at that point about Govardhan and so forth. Prabhupada had published the Chaitanya Charitamrita or many, many volumes of the Bhagavatam weren't published or anything. This fellow was reading somehow some translation of the Brahmanda Purana, which isn't even you know central at all to our tradition. It mentioned the stones and Govardhan are worshipable. So Prabhupada, he told me the stories and he showed them and Prabhupada kind of chuckled and said, well, if it says in the scripture, then they must be. <laughs> and then he picked up one of them and looked at the other one and put them back down. He says, yes, they're worshipable. So he told me, I'm keeping the one that Prabhupada picked up and the other one that he looked at, I'm giving it to you because I know you'll take good care of them. So I have that Giriraj and I worship him. I sit and then I, I say my pranams to all the, the gurus, my parampara, Prabhupada, Pujapachita Maharaj, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsatakur, Gorkishor, Bhakti Vinod, prayers to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, prayers to Krishna and Balaram, then prayer to Giriraj. I sent you a prayer for that. Namaste Girirajaya, Shivavardhan, Namaste Shakrishanashaya, Paramananda Daini. Then I pray from Bhagavatam, um, 10th canto, 14th chapter, Brahma's prayer, O Bhagil, O Bhagil, Nandagopa Vajopasam, Yamitram Paramanam, Puna Brahma Sanatana, invoking the grace of all the inhabitants of Vrindavan and um, the friendly mood there. And then, uh, and I, then I petition Krishna and, and using, employing the poem of Prabhupada. Tumaramilani by Abhishek Shukrapai, Kocharani Guridhin Bor, 
You say this enough times and then think, what am I doing? What am I doing? How can I say this and do that? These things don't, don't go together. If I'm going to keep saying this, I got to stop doing that because every time I say this, well, that will come up to my mind. <laughs> you're saying this, but you're doing that. <laughs> so I can't be a hypocrite. So you have to say this prayer again and again. And then, then you, it would make it very difficult for you to do anything else, right? Properly, the prayer is praying to attain. Vrindavan um, um, uh, in, 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 in his prayer, it's in Sakurasa. Kotabani chuta chutibani kailukti. Shedin kobe When or when will that day be? It's a longing on his part. So, how can you long like that? And, and belonging for other things. So anyway, then I sit and I offer him uh, the seat, an asana, and uh, some uh, bath water and scented oil. And then I decorate him, sandwood paste, and gopi chandan. And, and then I place him on his seat. Then I garland him with a little necklace of white gunjamala. Gunja is a blue bead, a uh, little seed, a uh, flower, whatever, uh, a brindaban. And you can take those and turn them into beads. Usually they're red, white, and black, but I selected only white ones. Because it's said that uh, in some places that Krishna wears a, a band of white ones around his arm, reminding him of Radha, the fair complected contrast. To himself. So I garland him with a little gunjamala of white gunjamala, and then I offer an offer boga to him. And then I, then I, then after that, then I uh, ornament him with a pearl necklace, black or white, depending on what dress he's wearing. I have a dress also. And then, um, and then I give him. Um, garland and a peacock feather, put his flute in place and stick for herding. And then, and then I offer incense and lamp and a flower. And that's all. So <laughs> it's very nice. But uh, there's no contrast, no conflict between rag, what part is rag bhakti, what part is um, Vaidhi Bhakti, it's all Rag Bhakti. Viraj Maharaj, Vijay. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing your, your worship. My... Thank you for being Oh, it's really, really nice. Um, we do have one more question in the chat. Um, do you have time for that? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a short answer. Okay, um, Shamasundar. Well, if you're thinking that I might have committed an, an operad, um, then it's probably a, something that you've done in your mind. Maybe you've thought ill of someone. Uh, but uh, if we commit an offense in our mind, we can rectify it in our mind. If we can commit, commit an offense verbally, we can rectify it verbally. I mean, I mean, Vaishnava operad we're talking about. Um, if I commit an offense physically, then I can remedy it physically by being you know, doing service, becoming a disciple of that, of that Vaishnava. So um, if you're thinking maybe I might have committed an offense, um, it's probably in your mind that you've, you, you've done so. And so just by thinking that I might have been and, and wanting to rectify that, it can be rectified in that way. That's very minor. Of course, there, you could commit offense with the mind, with the words, or with the body, and you can an offense to a to a neophyte an intermediate or superlative devotee so you put it all together if you commit the worst kind of offense which is a physical offense 
to a superlative devotee, then you have the worst case scenario. If you commit a mental offense to a neophyte devotee, which is possible, then you have the least uh, case scenario. Um, but um, You know, Vaishnava Parad is, is, is strongly uh, underscored as something to be avoided, obviously. Uh, but uh, it may be sometimes stressed in such a way that, that we become a little neurotic about it. And um, if our intentions are good, and we don't have malice, um, it's 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 difficult, uh, I would say, to commit Vaishnava Prat. Sometimes people give stories from the oral tradition that are very extreme, um, but I I don't know how much uh, veracity we can attribute uh, to them. Um, there's some there, there's a strong emphasis on having regard for for Vaishnavas, especially senior Vaishnavas and so forth. But it, 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 it shouldn't be such that uh, we become neurotic over it. Uh, just as just a point to, to under, underscore. Um, um, if our intention, typically, I say this because typically in bhakti, if our, our intentions are, are good, even if we do something wrong, the intentions will prevail over the mechanics of how we execute any particular or function or how we do anything. Um, Krishna is described Bhavagrahijanardana, so he accepts the spirit of our intentions. So without intention to offend a Vaishnava, it, it's, it, would, be, it would be hard to, you may make a mistake, you may do something wrong, you may, you, you may miscalculate, misjudge and think, what kind of Vaishnava is that? There's an example of of Gadadha Pandit, when he saw Pundarik Vidyanidhi acting like a worldly person um, in all respects. He himself was, was a brahmachari and, a, and a, a strict follower of Vaishnavism. So Gadadha thought, you know, he looks like a materialist. This thought came in his mind. But then um, Pundarik, um, Mukunda cited a prayer and Pundarik heard it and glorifying Krishna and, and heard it and he fell into a trance. And Mukunda did this because he detected the mind of Gadadhar and he wanted to point out who Pundarik Vidindi was. So um, Pundarik uh, Gadadhar then became his disciple. You know, that, that is ex example is there. Um, he made ex an extreme, uh, he took a, extreme measures to overcome any kind of apparat that might have been there. That, and he proposed that to Mahaprabhu, that I think I should become his disciple. Mahaprabhu accepted that and so forth. So that example is there. Um, you have to acknowledge that. Um, he didn't have bad intentions, as I was saying, but he thought, what kind of Vaishnava is this? He's acting like this. And he was seen otherwise. Was there really an offense there? Not, 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 in, not in my opinion. So those are some thoughts. I hope it helps. We have to close, I think, with that. Well, thank you so much. So, yeah. Yes. Time okay. Nice to be with you again. Yes. Wonderful. Next week, hopefully, we'll, we'll meet back here again. Yeah. And another question, if you can, um, the devotees in Brighton who asked if you could send me a, an email. Um, with your, your address, I, then I'll, I'll answer that in, in written, written form, okay. hopefully. Thank you. Thank Adibu. you so much. The devotees could stand just uh, for another minute to make some announcements. Um, <clears throat> class schedule for next week, this coming week. <clears throat> we have um, Monday, Chidahari Das giving class on Krishna Sandarbha. Kanu Ram on Tuesday, um, a name on every stone, Sri Ramachandra Kata. Um, Wednesday is Sadvi Dasi, the role of the Vaishnava saints in the history of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. 
And Thursday is me doing the beauty and the messiness of the sadhaka's journey. Um, Indra Dasi will be the interviewee. And on Friday, we have Kishore Krishna Das doing Prahlad, Simple Hearted Devotion. And on Saturday, we have Madan Mohan Das doing the Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 4, Bhakti Insights into Krishna's Descent. And then back here on Sunday, Q&A. So thank you, everyone, for your participation. Um, it's always wonderful. And the question, your nice questions as well. So we'll see everybody soon. Hare Krishna. Bye.